You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Doing good, Shane. And speaking of having a good time, good news for college football fans, particularly fans of uh, the wild and crazy Pat McAfee, Shane, the former Indianapolis punter, podcast extraordinaire, former barstool employee. But he has been hired on by ESPN, Shane, and he's going to be calling the Thursday night games. What do you make of this news? This is a good get, Mike. This is a good get. You know, the first time I ever heard him, he was talking about Troy Polamalu, and that is still the the best segment I have ever listened to on radio. If you get a second, and I'm we'll, we'll put it on the Reddit page, but oh my God, when he's talking about Troy Polamalu and uh, his fake kick, it was it's well <laughs> worth the listen. Yeah, so anyone that's not familiar with this guy, of course, you know. NFL punter, you may not have noticed him from his playing days, but like Shane said, ever since he started his own podcast, I mean, this guy is a character. I really think he's going to be the best college football commentator of the upcoming season and why I really wanted to bring this up, Shane. One of my favorite games of this upcoming season, every season, is the Egg Bowl. I don't think it gets as much respect. I know it does in Mississippi, of course, but outside of the state, I don't know how much respect it gets, but old Pat McAfee is going to be calling that one. It's just Ooh. going to make that game that much better. And, uh, man, I've just fired up for some football. Dude, I am ready. I am ready. I mean, we're 20, what, tomorrow's 24 days away from SEC football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like three long weeks. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped up. We got one team in, in practice by Saturday. They'll all be there, so – yeah, I mean, it's it's time, man. I mean, hell, it's nice and cool in the mornings. It just feels like football. It does, Shane. And uh, what would spring camp be without some quarterback competition? So before we go around the league, Shane, we got a little quarterback challenge. Quarterback challenge. Quarterback challenge. All right, Shane, these numbers. So these come out at, I want to say this is the second, maybe maybe the third year, but I think just the second year where these quarterback odds have come out where you can actually bet on who's going to win a starting quarterback job. I remember them last year causing a stir. This year, Sports Betting AG, they were the first ones to release these, 
And they've released uh, several for all across the nation. But, of course, we're just going to focus on the SEC quarterback races. The only one they don't have on here, and I'm, I'm not sure why it's not included, but there is no Vanderbilt betting odds. But uh, let's just go with the ones they've got here, starting with Arkansas, Shane. Ben Hicks, he's the favorite at minus 200. And Nick Starkle, he's the underdog at plus 150. What are your thoughts on uh, these odds for the Arkansas quarterback competition? Well, I, I mean, I think, and I don't know, you've convinced me. I was a Ben Hicks. I, I thought he would be the guy. Mm-hmm. But the more I hear from you and the, you know, the more that I read up on his recruiting process it just feels like he's the the better talent of the two so i'm probably i mean i thought this would be kind of closer you know Mm -hmm. it's just maybe they're just morris maybe they just think morris is going to go with somebody that that really knows his system coming out of the gate but who do they start with week one they open at home against portland state so you, yeah. would, you would think they could kind of roll out either one and still yeah. surely win that game. But week two, that's the critical game, Shane. They go to Ole Miss. You got to think that is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that's so far ahead. I don't want to make our predictions or anything. But if they make the wrong call at the quarterback position, that it could cost them that game. I, I really think that. It wouldn't surprise me if Hicks starts this thing, but Stark will get more playing time week one, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I'm if I'm betting, I, yeah, I'd probably go with Hicks just to be safe. And I believe it's the fourth game. It's either the fourth or the fifth game of the season. They play Texas A&M. Of course, Nick Starkle's old team. As long as uh, he's available, I think I'm playing Nick Starkle in that game no matter what. What do you think heck, about that? Heck yeah, definitely. All right, Shane, jumping down to Auburn, they've got the quarterback competition as well. Joey Gatewood the, opens as the favorite, minus 150. Bo Nix, the underdog, plus 110. So these odds are a little bit closer, but uh, what are your thoughts on Gatewood being the favorite on this opening betting line? Well, I mean, you saw it in spring game, and uh, I don't know. They've got a huge season opener there. Mm -hmm. So I would be more inclined, if I were to put money on one of these quarterback situations, to put it on Bo just because after a couple weeks of practice, maybe he earns that starting role. Yeah, I'm starting to lean that way too, but again, this is going to be a tight one. Gatewood, he could potentially, you know, you keep hearing the Cam Newton comparisons, everyone says, but I think, that of course, they're talking about his size and his running ability. And that Gus Malzahn system, it just, not that Bo Nix can't run, but it just seems to change the whole dynamic of that offense with a running quarterback. Uh, I I certainly understand why Gatewood is the favorite here. I think, of course, if Auburn's well, going to reach its full potential, it's got to be Bo Nix by season's end. Well, Gus was pumping up mobile quarterbacks during media days. You know, he wants a quarterback that can run the ball. So, I mean, both athletic. Uh, Bo can run, but mm-hmm. you know, I just think Joey offers a little bit more with his legs. All right, final one on the board here, Shane. Mississippi State. I hope we said that right. Mississippi State. Tommy Tommy Stevens, minus 150, the favorite to win the job, which he just got to campus not that long ago. Keaton Thompson, plus 110. So this is the same odds here as the Auburn quarterback situation, but any surprise, Shane, that uh, the Penn State graduate transfer is pegged as the, the early favorite to win the job? You know what I just thought about, Mike? What's that? Do you remember the last 
Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania quarterback named Tommy that you heard of named Tommy turnover Tommy remember him <laughs> I hope I hope that this doesn't happen I hope this isn't a new nickname but so he, I'm just saying uh turnover Tommy if he comes in there then you know this this thing could be totally different but so they're predicting him to get the starting position is that what you're saying yeah so he's the favorite over Keaton Thompson who's He's going into his junior year. You know, he's he played as a freshman. He played as a sophomore. But I think the world of Keaton Thompson, so I'm not trying to bury him, but just the action of this coaching staff. I mean, they tried to get Kelly Bryant. They obviously got Tommy Stevens. I think they tried to get a couple other guys. Uh, it just doesn't seem like they have any faith in Keaton Thompson, and I, I do not understand why. But based on that, these, these odds yeah. make sense. I like. I'm same way. I like Keaton, and I. But just listen to Coach Joe. It just sounds almost like he was looking for any other option at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, if I'm a gambling man, I would not put my money on Keaton in this situation because I think oh, uh, touchdown Tommy is uh, going to be our guy. All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch pail, let's get to work. All right, Jay. Let's go right back to the quarterback competition there in Fayetteville. Woo pig! Because the Arkansas Razorbacks, while they have not yet opened camp, their coaches got together for the Arkansas Media Day festivities down there, and all the coaches spoke. We tried to pick the highlights out of what these guys had to say, and we got to start with offensive coordinator Joe Craddock. And, of course, that was questions he was peppered with, the the quarterback competition, how are these guys looking, Ben Hicks, Nick Starkle, what's he seeing? And uh, to no surprise here, Craddock kind of – he didn't lean one way or another. He praised both these guys – so let's just jump to Joe Craddock here talking about the Arkansas quarterbacks. I love the way Ben, uh, his whole demeanor. I mean, I think if anybody knew Ben, I think the number one thing you'd say is he's a competitor. He hates to lose. I'm talking about hates to lose. And um, I think he's a tough kid. Um, if he is the starter come, come day one in uh, Portland State, you'll see him in the huddle pregame headbutting all the offensive linemen, making sure they're ready to go because um, he wants to win and he wants to do it and uh, whatever it takes to win he's going to work his butt off to do that so um, I think Nick's the same way uh, Nick's, Nick's came in with a, uh, a good approach to how he's uh, uh, handled you know being on a new team trying to win over his teammates and that kind of thing and so um, I'd be, it'd be interesting to see how, they, how, it, how it plays out come fall camp and uh, see who has kind of the pulse of the team. Well, I think, number one, Nick's a really intelligent guy. He's very cerebral. He knows he's been around a lot of good offense and 
Uh, he's been done a really good job of picking up ours. Uh, you know, we're able to meet with our guys uh, once a week, and uh, in those meetings, he's done a really good job of kind of regurgitating what he's learned to me. And and uh, if I were to ask him a question, he was able to to answer it. So it's been really fun to watch um, how smart he is. Um, can't wait to see what he can actually do on the field. I've gone back and watched four or five of his games from college and. Uh, just try to get a, uh, a feel for who he is as a quarterback even before we got out on the field. So I uh, can't wait to get to work with him and, and see, how, uh, see how much knowledge he has of our offense to start day one. All right, Shane. So there you have it from Joe Craddock, the offensive coordinator. And uh, like I said, you know, he's not going to lean his hand one way or another. He's going to make these guys earn it. But, uh, I mean, if I'm an Arkansas fan, it sounds good either option at this point. Yeah, I think I think Hicks has got a little chip on his shoulder, you know. And the reason I liked him, especially in the spring game, spring practice, is something he kind of brought up there, just that energy that he brings. Because he really, when he came in there, he, he tried to earn that team's respect right out of the gate. And, and I just, you know, he's got one last shot to do it. So you're kind of pulling for the guy, but you want to put the best quarterback back there for sure. Yeah, and I... Like I said, I don't think it's going to matter for Portland State, but they really need to have this thing settled by Old Miss week two. And last year, you know, for all the faults of this Arkansas staff, that was one – that was probably the biggest thing that I was critical of them is just how they flip-flop these quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I, I if I recall, it was like week three, week four, and they, they were like clueless as to who they were going to play the next – game and yeah you just can't have that and and the worst that I remember was Ty's story I think it was against Ole Miss where you know he's getting roughed up he's getting knocked out of the game and then the first play they call him back in they call one of these plays where they you know put Ty's story out wide and throw him a pass and then he gets blown up and he's, he's out of the game again like <laughs> that's like clueless coaching 101 you don't you don't use your quarterback as a receiver especially if he's banged up already but um, you know, that's didn't all in they, the past. Didn't they bring one of them in after they were being blown? Like, wasn't it tight? Well, I can't remember which one it was. Wasn't it story that lost the job mm-hmm. and then the next game, uh, when they were down 30 points, then they put tie back in or something like that, you know? Yeah. I, but I may have the quarterbacks flip flop, but it was just week after week. It was just like yeah, they had, they had no plan. If, if they do that again, Shane, I mean, it's just going to be more of the same. So they they really got to get this figured out. I love what they've done bringing these guys in because I think it's a major upgrade at the position. But the key is now going to be figuring out, and they've, they've just got to do a better job of it. I got you. Do you think – I mean, because there's other quarterbacks now they got. Do you think there's anybody, any chance that uh, the quarterback at the end of the season is not one of these two guys? No, I don't think so. Okay. Unless uh, now they did sign a guy by the name of KJ Jefferson, so he's going to be a true freshman, and I've heard really good things about him. But I just don't know that he's going to be able to jump over both of these guys. It, I don't know how realistic that is, but I think next season, you know, if he has a big off season, it, then it could be his show. But I got um, you. It's going to be that a big dual threat guy, right? Right, and that's what Chad Morris wants. He wants a running quarterback. Neither one of these guys really have that in their game. So that's that's why I'm thinking they could get surpassed down the line, but just not at this point. I got you. Well, sticking with Arkansas, Shane, I did want to have these comments here because I thought this was particularly interesting because, 
you know, the Razorbacks, they do have some playmakers. I know they didn't look too good last year, but the difference between a good SEC team, Shane, and a bottom of a, like a cellar dweller in the league is when these guys go down, having the bodies to replace them, having players to replace them. And Arkansas under Chad Morris in year two, they're just not at the point where they can replace some of these guys. So mm. you you want these guys to be 100% going into the season. And uh, head strength coach Truman Carroll, he had his presser there this week, and uh, he gave some really encouraging updates on Scooter Harris, their outstanding linebacker, and Traylon Burks, who was actually the number one prospect from the state of Arkansas coming off an ACL tear from his senior season. Uh, Let's jump to uh, Carroll's comments on these two players. I like that name, Scooter. (laughs) That's that's what they're going to call me because I shuffle my feet, you know. <laughs> They're doing very well. Scooters, man, he's moving at, at faster than I've ever seen him. From an agility standpoint, he is he is like, oh my goodness, he's he's fun to watch. You know, just because you expect him, obviously, he's a you know one of the well, he is the leading SEC tackler. So, but to see him competitive, his competitiveness within drill work, you know, it's it's, it's fun to watch. And Traylon Burke, okay. yeah, foots one hundred percent back. He's 100% back. Traylon Burke, same thing. I would say that he still they still make him wear his knee brace when he does certain things just as a safety precaution. But uh, when he's out there running routes and doing all of that, yeah, he's, he looks he looks really good, really fluid, really fluid. All right, Shade, so more positivity here from the Razorbacks, and you know this is what you want to see. Like I said, if these, these are the type of players that Arkansas is going to have to lean on this season, particularly early, to – you know, right the wrongs of last season, potentially start out 2-0. and Keep talking about these Portland State and Ole Miss games. They're going to need these players. And, uh, of course, Dijon Harris, Scooter Harris, having him back to 100%, that's huge. But, uh, you know, we've praised, particularly me, Trey Knox this offseason, but Traylon Burks, another outstanding four-star receiver, if he's 100%, uh, that could really open up things for the Arkansas offense. This, this has got to be great news. Well, yeah, it's great news. And if you remember, you know, that's one thing about Arkansas you worry about is these injuries. Last year they came out, they could not get an offensive line together, period, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you, you kind of felt that coming into spring ball when they couldn't get none of their running backs healthy. So the fact that they're coming out with good reports now going into fall camp, I definitely feel better about that. And last thing on Arkansas, Shane, get to this real quick, but offensive line coach, Dustin Fry met with the media as well, and I just thought this was an awesome exchange talking about uh, offensive lineman Dalton Wagner. If you haven't seen a photo of this guy, you got to look him up to kind of com- get the total reference. But uh, apparently, old Dalton Wagner does not like to be called the Undertaker. <laughs> about Chicago a little bit, and um, you know, and we, he talks about his family a good bit about what his you know his dad does and, and going to get to see his brother and, and that whole deal but yeah it's uh he's uh man he's a guy that i love when he comes into my room um when he comes to my office because i know he's about to throw a thousand questions but they're all really good questions like they're no they're very you know some guys will come in and be like kind of house cat you they know the answer to the question they just eh, that's fine you know but he's coming in like coach this guy's playing this on this, that's third and this. What is he? It's like, okay, well, let me pull the film up here and watch it. He's that, you know, he's, he's that, uh, um, that much of a higher thinker uh, with O-line play. So, yeah, O-line family, O-line mindset. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about Dalton. 
you know, with the long hair too, he's kind of got like a WWE persona. <laughs> yeah, he's got the Undertaker, uh, the the Undertaker deal. Yeah, he, and he's uh, he buns it or, or pulls it up sometimes. He but he doesn't like the Undertaker thing. He's uh-huh. like, oh no. Well, I think I think the previous when he was on his official, they played the Undertaker music the whole time, so everybody busted him on it a little wow. bit. You know, a little bit. He's like, don't play that. Don't play. I was like, well. It kind of looks a lot yeah, like, yeah, 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 like yeah. If he would have walked into like a press conference or something wearing like the, the championship belt, you <laughs> yeah, no doubt, it'd be pretty yeah, good. And a mask perfect. or something yeah, on it, like a yeah, cane mask or yeah, something. Yeah, he's a little pasty though. We got to get a little sun. We got a little sun on him. All right, Shade. So if you see Dalton Wagner, you may not want to call him the Undertaker to his face, but because uh, he's a big man. But I just thought this was pretty funny. Oh, I love it, man. There's, I mean, there's worse wrestlers to be called, you know. I was called Bam Bigelow there for a minute, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Could be worse. So, uh, yeah, call me Undertaker. I mean, that dude's a killer. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Oxford. Where we got some bad news, unfortunately, here for Ole Miss. It's not devastating, but uh, the Rebels announced this week on Monday that Alex Givens, senior offensive tackle who – Uh, Started at right tackle last season. He is going to miss fall camp. He had to have, uh, I believe, a back surgery. Lower back surgery is what they're saying. And they're hopeful that he's going to be available week one. So it's not, could be much worse. Hopefully he's 100% by that week one game uh, at Memphis. And that's going to be a tough game. But I just don't know. Ole Miss offensive line is one of their thinner positions. And you really want this guy for training camp in Rich Rod's system, so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a loss not to have him. But uh, you know, like I said, it could be worse. But this is uh, this is already a start of of some trouble down here in Oxford if one of their best offensive linemen is out for camp. Yeah, you hate to hear that because I mean, they're going to have to do everything they can to make I think to I prove some naysayers wrong mm-hmm. and. Uh, and that starts week one, and you don't want him limping into that Memphis game. No, you definitely definitely don't. And particularly with this Rich Rod offense, you think of – now, Matt Corral may be the most talented quarterback he Rich Rod has ever worked with now that I think about it. But you still got to think this offense is going to be a lot of running the ball, spread them out, ground and pound. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that without your star offensive lineman. So – it makes sense they're going to sit him out for all of training camp, but hopefully he's back week one because they're certainly going to need him in that opener at Memphis. For sure. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina. We got some official news. We talked about it on the previous podcast, but it had not yet been confirmed. But Clemson grad transfer Tavian Feaster officially joins South Carolina. This is big news for the Gamecocks. Uh, this is a running back that rushed for over 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns at Clemson. Uh, there's an excellent chance that Feaster's the starting running backs for the Gamecocks. And, uh, you know, this is just really big news for the Gamecocks offense heading into uh, a big year from Will Muschamp and company. Oh, yeah. And I hope the first thing they did is put him in a small room with a recorder and had him tell them everything about the Clemson offense the signals, <laughs> everything, you know, just spill the beans. Hopefully he got to bring a playbook up there with him, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're a Gamecock fan, you know, not only you want as many talented guys as you 
can get. You know, we hit on it in the last podcast. This guy was the number one all-purpose running back prospect in the nation coming out of high school. But it's an even added bonus when you take into the fact that, you know, he lost his starting job there to Travis Etienne at Clemson. And that's going to burn his fires a little bit more. He wants to be showcased more. And I've read up on this guy because I don't watch a ton of Clemson football, but apparently he's an outstanding pass blocker as well. So he wants to be showcased with all his talents. He's, he's caught uh, 23 passes for 183 yards, so he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. But uh, the fact that he's going to have a little revenge for the Clemson Tigers on his mind, I, I think that's a big reason to why he picked South Carolina. Yeah, that, and I predicted him to do the upset against Clemson. So I think <laughs> you're welcome, Gamecock Nation. <laughs> All right, Shay, let's jump to Lexington. Where this week, Kentucky quarterback coach Darren Henshaw, he met with the Louisville Quarterback Club, and uh, – these we don't have an audio clip or anything, but according to Larry Vaught of Vaught's Views, who was on hand to witness uh, Henshaw talk to the Louisville Quarterback Club, this is what he had to say about the Kentucky offense. Shane, I think this is uh, going to be shocking to a lot of people. Last year, we were more about running the ball. We had a first-year quarterback with Terry Wilson, and he only threw it about 20 times a game. We are going to have an increase this year to 35 to 40 times a game throwing the ball. So, Shane, what say you about Terry Wilson throwing the ball as many as 40 times per game next year? I really hope it doesn't come down to that, you know. I don't want Stoops to get away from what Kentucky is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to see a spread team with these guys. You know, they've got talent on the line. They've got talent. In the backfield, I think they need to take advantage of the running backs they do have. and But they do need to be more two-dimensional. But that doesn't mean they have to throw more. They just got to be more efficient when they do. Yeah, particularly, I'm trying to think if this is really going to help the defense if you're throwing it 40 times a game. And a defense that has a completely new secondary, even if you're successful throwing it all over, I don't know if you want opponents – testing your secondary try to catch to catch back up because they're going to need some help too now maybe they're anticipating giving up some big plays so they gotta have to score some themselves but yeah um you know i think i i saw a lot of people kind of scoff at this notion but when you look at it terry wilson did complete over 67 percent of his passes next season so if he's throwing it 40 times a game and keeps that number i mean he could be really you know one of the most improved quarterbacks not only in the SEC, but in the nation. But it's going to be really tough for him to keep that number up with that many throws. But uh, maybe they just got a lot of confidence in this guy to you know, handle this workload. And mm-hmm. uh, that's certainly what it looked like in the spring game. I know it. You know, he really caught our eye, both of our eyes, from the, the spring game. He looked like the real deal, throwing the ball down the field that we had not seen last season. So uh, this is pretty interesting. I don't know if he's – if he said something he wasn't supposed to, maybe he was hoping this didn't get out. But, uh, it I mean, this would be an unrecognizable Kentucky offense if, if this is what happens. Yeah, well, Cash be mad if he's out on the field all day long, you know. Your best, <laughs> your best defense in the fourth quarter is a fresh defense. And you do that by long, sustaining drives. Mm-hmm. And when you got a young defense, um, which, you know, they're going to be young at first, and they who knows, they may progress quicker than we think. 
But I, I like those long drives that keeps that defense off the field. So when they come in, boom, you're a three and out. You got the ball back. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what made Kentucky successful last year. But they're not going to have that defense to rely on. So maybe they will have to score more points to stay competitive. Well, that's, that's an interesting thought. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Gainesville. Where, of course... The Gators are the only team in the SEC that are actually in training camp at the moment, and that's, of course, because they have the Week 0 game against Miami. And uh, old Dan Mullenshade, his hats keep getting bigger. (laughs) (laughs) The bandages on his face keep getting bigger. I I have no idea what's going on there. Uh, But he met with the media on Monday, and uh, not a ton to glean from this. You know, the, the best thing, of course, no injuries to report. So that's outstanding news Huge. for the Gators. Uh, but I thought the biggest takeaway came at the very end of his presser, the final question he was asked. And it's just about, you know, we keep hearing about Felipe Franks and uh, how improved is he, how, uh, you know, the steps he's going to take in year two. But uh, this was a really good question when they Dan Mullen was asked, about loosening up Felipe Franks. And we see, you know, there's that classic gif of Dan Mullen dancing on the sidelines and Felipe Franks just looking at him stone-faced like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) But it was all kind of part of Dan Mullen's master plan here, and this is why he's such a good quarterback coach. Is it gif or gif? I thought it was gif. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, they say it both ways. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I think it's, uh, it's the guy that created it says it's gif. He's, oh, he says it's GIF? But everybody calls it GIF. Oh. But okay. he created it, so I call it GIF. <laughs> okay. Very good to know. <laughs> yeah, going back to Felipe, when did you see him start to loosen up, so to speak, and how does that kind of trickle down and translate to the team? Hmm. Sorry if that's ambiguous. Probably after the season. You know, I mean, and going back and reviewing it, and letting, after he probably reflected on the whole season and uh, – getting into spring, you know, of knowing. And, and I think loosen up because I think he was, you know, going through it the second time, going out on the field and knowing that he knew kind of what he was doing. It allows you to be a little bit more confident that way. And, and that, you know, because, I mean, he stayed pretty uptight through most of the season. I tried. I mean, I danced with him on the sidelines and try to get him to loosen up and have some fun. And, uh, but I think after I think coming in, going into like spring ball when he had a little bit more confidence, it allowed him to be a lot more relaxed in 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 knowing he you know and go when you sit there and you go through an install and you're like oh I know that I'm not just learning it I know it I think that allows you to have a lot more confidence and be a lot more relaxed and have some fun while we're playing. I mean, would it be safe to say? Huh? Would well, it be safe to say that on the field, off the field, personality-wise, the team will go as he goes? Mm, no, we got a lot of personalities on the team. Um, he's one of our leaders, you know, but we got a bunch of, you know, one thing that helps a lot of times that happens, but we got a lot of veteran wide receivers. There's, you know, so, I mean, the, those guys will get after, you know, they, it's not like, Hey, we're going to go just as you go. They'll get after him just as easily. But I mean, we're, we're very much, I mean, if you look, if, if he has a great year, we have a chance to have a great year. If he has a bad year, I'll probably have a pretty bad year though. You know, I mean, it, uh, very rarely you're going to have a great season if your quarterback doesn't perform very well. Did that, was that bothersome that he was so so uptight when you it is got what here? It is. That's why that's why we got to adjust and coach. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I mean, our job is to just you know get to the players and how to make them better and, and improve them. So uh, I don't know. It's bothersome. I mean, 
kind of like looking at him like, man, you don't need to be so uptight. It's just a game. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> huh? Yeah, I mean, you want to see, I, I want the team, you know, there's a big difference between having fun and being confident and being silly and goofy as a team. And as you grow mature and the guys can really learn that difference, they should be having a lot of fun, but it shouldn't be silly and goofy. They should have fun doing what we're doing, having fun working, having fun embracing the game and playing hard. Um, and, and I think that's an important part for all the guys to learn. And I think – so, you know, I'd much rather be uptight than all loosey-goosey, you know. I mean, and like kind of like at least they're at least uptight. You're probably focused, you know, instead of just kind of like you could care less. Uh, but, I mean, the best way to be is to be confident and kind of relaxed and having fun. That's the best way to be. Where did the dance fall? Is it goofy and, or uh... – No, as long as, you, <laughs> as long as it's at the right – you know, it's, it's the appropriate it's, – it's knowing when to do things and how to relax. You know what I mean? And, hey, when I'm performing well, I'm having a good time. I know what's going on out there in the field. I got it. Not, hey, we jumped off sides five times in a row. <laughs> you know, that type of deal. All right, Shade, so I thought this was particularly interesting. We got into the mind a little bit of Dan Mullen and what he's going through with this quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, you see some of these goofy antics on the sideline, but, you know, it's just all part of his plan. And clearly it was working with Felipe Franks. And it, based on all reports from spring and opening of training camp, uh, I mean, Felipe Franks is prepared to take his game to a whole new level thanks to these tactics. You know, I'm, I'll tell you this, man. I've been listening, and there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, excited about what Dan's doing with the quarterback down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they everybody wants to go back to Dak Prescott, you know, and and how productive Dak became in the college ball, and and uh, now you get to see him on the big stage, and they they hope to get a piece of that with uh, with Frank's down here, and I think he's got the frame, and I think he's got a hell of an arm, man. If he can get him under control, you know, and, and increase the accuracy a bit, maybe let him run a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows, dude? Franks could be a uh, could be something special at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think you hit on the key right there, Shane. Is Felipe Franks? I don't know if he was scared to take a hit. That's probably not the right word, but for whatever reason, he was hesitant to do it. And once he started kind of seeing the field better and taking off when he could. That just opens up the whole offense. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got to be better with his consistency and reading defenses and stuff like that. But, hell, I mean, last year was his full first year as a starter. So it's not like you can totally grade him on his first year. And it was a hell of a year for the most part. So just a few mistakes here and there. They can limit those. Uh, I mean, Felipe Franks, I know I've been critical of him. But, I mean, they should have shut me up last year. And uh, <laughs> if, if he continues to progress, he'll do so again this upcoming year. For sure. It's, it's just the small things, you know, that's, that's the one thing he's got a lot of great tangibles. And if he just works on a few of the smaller things, mm-hmm. he could really, you know, he could really shine and be a hell of a quarterback in the SEC. And, you know, you were talking about Dak Prescott, Shane, that also made me think, you know, we saw Nick Fitzgerald last season under Joe Moorhead and, and not his first year without Dan Mullen. He was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Tebow, who I, I loved, I thought that guy was awesome. Without, you know, when he went on to the NFL, not that good. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith, who was worth Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer at Utah, 
when he went to the NFL, not that good until he got under Jim Harbaugh's coaching. So, I, I mean, I, I think that says a lot about Dan Mullen's coaching there too as well because all these guys yeah. seem to drop off as soon as they don't have his uh, him coaching them. Absolutely. Like he, he knew their strengths and he hid their weaknesses, you know? Exactly. All right, Shane, final update here for the Gators. This is uh, – I don't know what the heck's going on here, but four-star receiver R.J. Henderson – he did not show up over the weekend. Mullen said he would on Friday. Uh, he says it's still – he tried to blame it on uh, the academic people, so they took the weekend off. <laughs> I mean, surely they got – surely the football staff's got someone in the academic room that could take care of something, but apparently not. So uh, the Gators are still waiting Henderson's arrival, uh, and, and hopefully they get that resolved pretty quickly. They still anticipate him, it sounds like, but uh, he's still he's still taking classes. And I remember I tweeted that out on Friday. I tweeted it out on Monday, and someone tagged me back on Twitter, Shane. They said, that must be one hell of a test he's taken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Knoxville. <laughs> Where some bad news here for the Volunteers, although I don't know, I don't know how bad this is. But uh, this was first reported by Matt Zinich of AL.com. But defensive lineman Karat Garland has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Now this guy is a redshirt freshman. He played in four games last year, so, you know, so he got to keep his red shirt. But he was one where when he committed and signed with Tennessee, I think it was. I think it was right before the signing period, and it was just kind of completely out of the blue and uh, not a very highly ranked prospect. But So I'm not trying to downgrade him and say this isn't a loss because on the flip side, if you're Tennessee, you still have no resolution on Aubrey Solomon. You're Mm -hmm. still replacing your entire starting defensive line. And I just don't know if Tennessee is in a position to be losing guys like this now. On the other side, if this guy's leaving right before camp, maybe he's already lost his job to another freshman that that has come in a year after him. I don't know, but uh, not you know not the news you want to hear going into camp that one of your linemen's leaving. Yeah, I'm a I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Mike, and so I'm I'm like you. I'm I'm hoping that it's maybe an underclassman has taken over that that second you know second position mm-hmm. because you know he was depth. Uh, he's not going to start. Now, he got to play in four games last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got to the end of the year last year, and we were plugging playing anybody because we were so thin. And we're a little bit better. We don't need to lose any more at that position, that's for sure. You know, so I hope Coach has got some of these Emmett and all them bubble wrap during the fall practice here because we're going to need them throughout the season here. But I'm like you. I, I hope that this is more about some of the freshmen that came in than mm-hmm. it is, you know, just uh, he didn't want to play there. Yeah, and, and Tennessee also signed two junior college defensive linemen. One of them, Shane, I, I thought you'd appreciate this, Daryl Middleton. He was a high school receiver, and he just tweeted out a picture. I think Tennessee took their, like, official photos today. Mm-hmm. He six foot seven, three fifteen. He weighed in at so he's come, he's come a long way from his high school uh, receiving days. But uh, maybe old Karat Garland saw this Middleton was like getting the hell out of here. I can't can't compete with that, you know. <laughs> That's right. Been eating some at barbecue up here, Mike. Oh, hey, uh, let me ask you something on on the lineman situation. You heard anything about Trey? Because I've seen he's getting 
nominated for trophies out here. So I'm just, <laughs> am, I, am I just being wishful here? No, I don't think so, Shane. I mean, as the further this thing goes along, and, you know, obviously he's not been announced that he's coming back, but Tennessee opens camp Friday, I believe it is. Yeah, they got the presser on Thursday. So I think we'll get the final clarification there. But uh, all indications are, Shane, that Trey Smith, I mean, it sounds like he's going to suit up and play. Okay, perfect. And uh, real quick on Aubrey, if is this kind of like a um, like how they're like Missouri's doing with the bowl ban? Is mm-hmm. this something like if we don't hear back from the NCAA, he could play, or is this like no, he can't it, do anything? You can't do anything, and uh, there's there's no timeline, and they don't say you know if they don't make a decision before the season, it's mm-hmm. not like he he can at all play because there was a guy for South Carolina last year, Josh Belk, that was the guy that signed with Clemson, then he left Clemson, then he joined South Carolina, and he did get his waiver, but it wasn't until like week two or three, so I I have no idea why they would wait for these situations, but it it has happened, so um, there's almost nothing I can tell you on that, but I just have no idea why it's taken so long. Yeah, I wish they'd put some pressure on him, because if you're you're expecting somebody to be a starter, you don't want to give him, or let's say let's say he doesn't get this eligibility. You don't want to give Aubrey all those snaps. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you want to get some of these younger guys in there. So you don't want wasted rep counts. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Alabama announced another home-and-home game, Shane. I know you love these home-and-homes. And this will be a good one, Shane. Wisconsin is going to play Alabama first game. September. Oh, I like it. 2024 Alabama's going to play up in Madison so that's going to be a good game and then the uh, excuse me the Badgers will make the return trip the following season to Tuscaloosa in 2025 and another thing I like about this one Shane we don't have to wait you know 15 years we just got to wait five (laughs) (laughs) oh man maybe they heard Nick talking there on the podcast and you know what let's yeah that's what one thing after we we talked about that and i was listening to the show the next day and um you, you know we talked about the twofer that he's doing with southern florida is that right usf yep um but it just seems like these home and homes wouldn't be as hard to get um like like this wisconsin game. this is a great game this is going to be a great matchup but it seems like if you can get some more of those home and homes you know, I, I know you're going to be, you know, not playing a cupcake team at home, but, you know, you may lose a, a home game, but you're going to, it's going to make for better football. Yeah, I, I think so too, but I'm just happy about the games we get, Shane. Yeah. What would this be? You think this would be like an ABC game? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I think so. All right, Shane, jumping down to Athens, final team we got to hit on here. Oh, dog, sick him! <laughs> The dog, Shane, they got them another commitment. Believe it or not, Shane, Georgia has landed a five-star running back. You ever heard that one before? (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) This time it's Kendall Milton from California. He's the number four running back prospect in the nation for the 2020 recruiting cycle. And uh, I just thought this was interesting, Shane, because the damn dogs, I mean, they're just cleaning up under Kirby Smart getting these running back commitments and – um, you know, there was the ESPN didn't nominate Georgia's running back you. And of course mm-hmm. we, we both kind of laughed at that, but 
How about this, Shane? So I looked up all the running backs that Kirby Smart has signed since he got to Georgia, and we're talking, well, Kendall Milton's yet to sign, but beyond him, you got Kenny Mitchell last season, four-star. Zamir White was a five-star the previous cycle. James Cook, four-star. DeAndre Swift in 2017, five-star. Elijah Holyfield, four-star. And Brian Harrion, a three-star, who he's pretty good too. So, um, I mean, we're talking – this is just an incredible running back call the last couple of years, and, and Milton's just the latest one to it. Oh, yeah, dude. They, the rich get richer, man. Uh, let me ask you another question, Mike. Do you think uh, Sam Pittman's ever sober? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he gets on there and he starts, oh, and one last thing, go. You know, it's just <laughs> like, dude, you are so drunk right now. He's got reason to celebrate, unlike anyone, man. He's he's getting in these linemen, getting in these running backs. Uh, it seems like anybody Georgia six him on, they get him. So he's more, got it made. More power to him. Not only is he an elite recruiter, he's a, he develops a talent as well. And you know, I thought it was interesting when we this was months and months ago after the season, we were breaking down all the prospects he signed. You know, the vast majority of them are four stars. And we yeah. were both surprised about that, but he's just such a damn coach, such a damn good coach. He gets these four stars to play like five stars. So you think all these guys are five stars, but they're really not. Dude, I'm telling you what, if I could pick like assistant coaches to hang out with, he's up there. Him and, <laughs> you know, Chaney, you know, you're going to eat good with Chaney. Um, who else you got out there that you'd really want to hang out with? Assistant coach. Uh, Rich, I think Rich Rod would be fun. Yeah, Rich Rod would be a good one. Yeah. Um, Lane Kiffin, I definitely would. Oh, well, you can't count him. What's his brother doing? Is he in the SEC somewhere? Chris Kiffin, I think he's still banned by the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right, Shane, so that's all the news we got around the league. Are we finally going to make the epic return of Tell the Truth Tuesday. Absolutely. That will be on Friday's show, Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we're waiting another <laughs> another day? Yeah, we got to do it Friday, Mike. Got to do it Friday. Damn. Sorry. I will be ready. I'm off Thursday and Friday, so. Yeah, I've heard that one before. I know, I know. Seriously, seriously. I'll be ready Friday, I promise. Man, mine are so good, too. Oh, and, I they're, they're, and, they're, and they're short. I'm not even making them long. No, I think you're going to do great. I, I think you're going to do great things, Mike. <laughs> so you just sit on that, that great list of yours, and I'll make mine Thursday, and we'll do it Thursday night. It'll come out Friday morning. Fans will love it. So, yes, Friday we're going to bring back Tell the Truth. All right, Shane. Hopefully we didn't disappoint all the listeners yet again. The show, the best feature of the show. We've already got other podcasts ripping us off, so we got to bring this back so people know that we invented it. <laughs> Truth Serum. Yeah, I heard that one. That's, that's some horse shit right there, but Tell the Truth is uh, we try to come. <laughs> it's supposed to come out on Tuesday, but we never know what day it's going to come out. But as long as it comes out, it'll be uh, it'll be a good one. We've been waiting on this one for a while. Uh, we got anything before we hop off here, Shane? I do have some reviews, Mike. All right, let's hit them. Thank you for being a friend. 
All right, the first one comes from Kevin King. Five-star, must-listen for SEC fans. Says, great SEC coverage news, honest and insightful. Takes even if they are a bunch of ball homers. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Around the League segment. Keeps me updated on everything SEC football. Go dogs! Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, next one comes from N Dog, third to the first. Cool name. I like it. Five star. These guys do a great job. As long as, oh, cliffhanger says, <laughs> been listening for a while and it, it's become my go-to resource for all things SEC football. I'm a Gator, but like all SEC fans, I've found them to be fair with all the teams. Like the easy, conversational, and relaxed tone, I really appreciate the rebroadcast of Mr. Two Bits Reflection. Keep it up, guys. Well, I appreciate you, N Dog. Yeah, we do. We really appreciate all these reviews. Absolutely. And I got I got another one, Mike. You ready? Okay. This one comes from Ten Second Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my wife calls me. Ten second chain. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, back to the news. Love the pod, five-star. I'm a student assistant for an unnamed SEC school, and y'all have by far the best SEC podcast out there. Practice practice always goes by a little quicker when I'm listening. See y'all on Rocky Top this year. Never been so forward to it. So that's interesting, Mike. Uh, 10-second Tom, I really appreciate that, but I'm curious who you're with now. <laughs> Well, I think I know, but uh, we probably shouldn't play this guessing game if he did not want to be identified for (laughs) a number of reasons, whether it's premature ejaculation or him being a coach. Oh, oh, is that what you... That's not what I was talking about, Mike. Oh, okay. All right, 10-second Tom, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So everyone that leaves a rating and review, that really helps. And, uh, you know, something else I've been thinking about, obviously the... College football season is just around the corner. Everyone's fired up for football, so get the word out on the podcast. If you know anyone that uh, you think would like it, please share it with them. That that would really help us out as well. And we hope to uh, just keep continuing giving you great content, trying to make this the best podcast we can. And everyone's you know help goes a long way, so we really do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. The shoutouts on Twitter was was awesome. Uh, we had a lot of folks jump on there uh you can follow us at that sec podcast we're on twitter instagram uh reddit page we're doing a, a daily sec countdown on on all of those so you guys can see uh your special team you know have a special place so um i appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us and guys it's almost there we're almost there so uh three weeks like three weeks and we're we're playing football man yes sir shane so Thanks. I mean, I can feel it. We're going to have some awesome, uh, I mean, we're going to have some real content coming up here because all these teams are kicking off. So thanks for joining me, Shane. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. How are you supposed to say it? Mississippi? Mississippi. I I guess we were saying Mississippi State. Mississippi. Mississippi State, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Mississippi. I don't hear people say that. 
I, I don't know. Maybe I just – I never noticed that I was doing it, but I guess – I have a tendency to cut words short, Mike, or even make <laughs> words up, you know, let's be honest. 